0: And uh, happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. And we are uh, still wandering in the desert together uh, for the next couple of weeks. And uh, as we look at this passage, I, I think it's interesting. We've been watching the Israelites leave slavery in Egypt, and they're ready to enter the promised land. And then we hit this part of the story where fear hinders them. It stops them from getting to the destination that God has for them. Isn't that interesting? Like all that they've been through, and then fear hinders their progress. And you ever have moments like that where fear stops you dead in your tracks? You just get scared out of your mind, a little paralysis by analysis. Even I can remember a story of my own, and it's very fitting because it's Move Up Sunday. Let's give them another hand to our kids' team and Next Gen team. All those moving on up, like the Jeffersons, right? Moving on up. I don't know if we can sing that because of copyright on YouTube, but uh, anyways, I I have a story. One time when I got stuck in my tracks, uh, it was my kindergarten graduation. guys, this was me in kindergarten. Wasn't that cute? I was cute. And uh, those that know my son Maverick can see the family resemblance there. When he puts my glasses on, he just looks like my doppelganger. Uh, But I remember this moment in my kindergarten journey. Uh, all the finger painting and playtimes and everything culminated to the graduation night, and our kindergarten was at the high school of our town. And uh, I remember going to the ceremony with my mom, and spending the entire ceremony in the hallway. I didn't go in and I vividly remember like this dark hallway in the high school corridor and I remember the glow of light from the classroom and I can vividly picture the parents standing in the doorway watching the whole ceremony and presentation and the kids are like walking over the bridge or doing their thing and Showing their finger paintings, i don't know what happened because all I saw was the hallway and the doorway, and I literally spent the entire time, no exaggeration the entire time, and my poor mother had to stand in the hallway with her five year old son just like Mm-mm. nope, not going i don't know if I was scared of being embarrassed or messing up or just a large crowd of people you know I mean. Who am I to be scared of a crowd of people now? But then at five, that was daunting, right? Just like in this story, everyone looked like giants to me. And the idea of going in and, and being in front of people just scared me. And I spent the whole time out. It didn't matter that there was music playing and laughter and oohs and ahs and cheers and all that. I was, nope, I'm spending my night in the hallway. Fear is a real part of life. And we see that with Moses and these 12 scouts that he sent into the promised land, 10 of them come back and they're freaking out. We're not going into this area. No, no, no. And the fear stops them, right? You saw that in the passage in verse 31 through 33. It says, but the men who had gone with them said this, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread, um, they, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it, and all the people we saw there are of great size. We seem like grasshoppers. Like, they, 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 are, they are intimidated. They're scared by the sheer size of these cities and these people, these giant dudes. They're going to destroy us. We can't go there, Moses. Nope, nope, not going to happen, right? And I want you to think even for yourselves, how are we like the Israelites looking at a season of life saying, nope, can't go there, Right? Not just being little kindergartner, Sean, not going into graduation, but I want you to think now as, as yourselves, what is scaring you in this season? Where are you stopped in your tracks? What, what fear do you feel in this current season of life that you're in? Think about the, the, the you know kindergartners moving up into the next class or later this morning, some of them might be oh, a little intimidated, right? These kids are huge. Some of those graduating high school wondering what's next. There's a fear and anxiety that comes with that. But but as you go through life, what other fears of seasons do you feel? A fear of what? How many of us have been scared of a serious relationship and commitment? Sean, I can't get married. If I get married, then there's a possibility that Something else could happen. I don't know if I want to commit to that, right? I don't know if I can, I can start having kids because, ooh, kids, that's a big responsibility. I don't know if I can apply for that job, that promotion, that new job that's going to take me and move me to another location. How many of us are scared about conversations we need to have with people? You ever get scared about a conversation? I'm going to have to be honest. I'm going to have to be vulnerable. I'm gonna to have to tell them that their actions hurt me. Who signs up for that really well, right? We'll go in with a little trepidation for that. How many of us are scared when people find out we're a Christian? I'm a pastor, licensed, ordained, whatever, four square pastor that I am, and I'm sitting there at Little League freaked out that somebody sitting next to me is gonna say, So what do you do for a living? Because the moment I say what? I'm a pastor. You know what the response nine times out of ten is? It's not, oh, that's awesome. We love church. It's, oh. <laughs> oh. All of a sudden, I get, like, the plague on me or something. I don't know. There's just something about... And so I actually have a fear sitting in, in public settings with people that I don't know when they're going to ask, what do you do for a living? You would think, like, I'm just, like, all out for Jesus, really excited all the time. No, I I don't like being treated differently. I don't like that, oh, sound. But see, as we look at this story, what happens? Fear does not help them progress in their journey. What does it do? It hinders them. It stops them. It definitely doesn't help them in their wandering season. In in chapter 14, verse 2 through 4, that'll be up on the screen, it says, If only we had died in Egypt... We're in the desert. Funny enough, that's going to come true. Well, if only we had died in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to, get, to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You see, we, we face these fears and these anxieties, these stresses, and what do we tend to do? That, that fear feeds on our tendency to do something that we all do. We jump in the timeline to the future. You ever find yourself doing this? You're in present day, but you're thinking about what's going to happen in the future, and we, we kind of get like Miss Cleo in her crystal ball. You remember her? Like, call me now, right? We try to do this and like, try to figure out what's kind gonna... of Some of the young people are like, who's Miss Cleo? What, what are you talking about? That was a wasted reference. But we get scared thinking about, what's going to happen in my future? Because what do we try to do? We try to figure it out. That's what the Israelites are doing, right? We can't go into the promised land. Why? Because we're looking in our crystal ball, and what do we see? They're going to conquer us. They're going to plunder us. They're going to take our families. We're going to get destroyed. We, no, we can't do this. They'll defeat us. Think about the seasons of life or the things that we're scared about. No, Sean, I can't get married because if I look into the future, you know what's going to happen? We're going to fight. And then we're going to get divorced, and I'm just going to be another statistic of a divorce. So we're not, we're not going to go there. No, I, I can't get into a serious relationship because that's going to cause pain to my heart. See, because I can see you into the future. You can't, but I can see you into the future, just like the Israelites could. And Sure, they're going to plunder. Well, they're going to plunder my heart, so I'm not going there. Or we're scared to start a family because we're scared that I'm going to mess up a human being. I remember feeling that. I didn't want to be a parent early on. I mean, like, I wanted to be a dad, very much so, but I was very scared, just as I was scared of commitment. Being scared about getting a new job, why? Because we might get rejected, looked over, passed over. Worse yet, you might actually get the job and then not know what you're doing, right? How many of us are scared of those hard and difficult conversations? Why does that freak us out? Why does that scare you to have a hard conversation, an honest conversation with somebody? Because they're gonna judge me. They're gonna see my heart, they're gonna see my vulnerability, they're not gonna understand me, they're not gonna hear me, they're just gonna judge me. So I'm not gonna go there. We're scared to tell people that we're a Christian. I'm scared that people will find out I'm a pastor, why? Why? Because I don't wanna be treated differently. I don't wanna be rejected. I'm an insecure 36 year old little dude. Just sometimes shaking in his boots, just like he was in kindergarten. It's just in that setting I'm sitting on the side of a Little League field. I was going to say stadium, but they don't really play in stadiums. They play on grassy fields. And I'm scared about that. You see, what happens is we allow that fear to continue to just consume us, just like the Israelites, and we won't take steps forward. In fact, what do we end up doing? We get stuck in the desert. They're looking at it saying, I can't move forward. I'm just going to stay here or worse yet what are they going to do let's go back and what was back for them what was in Egypt what was waiting for them in Egypt if you can't remember what was waiting for those that have seen the 10 commandments and the prince of Egypt and slavery. slavery let's go back to that these guys are freaking me out they're too tall uh. let's go back to slavery How many of us are scared and so we stay stagnant in a job or relationship or in our silence and we just stay in our desert? How many of us are freaked out and so not always just staying put, what do we do? We quit. We avoid. We run away. Fear hinders our progress. And I want us to think today for a moment, what are we progressing towards? What are are the Israelites progressing towards? What has God been leading them towards this entire time? It's been like eight weeks. I'm just curious. What have we been leading towards this entire time? The promised land, right? The promised land. The Israelites are wandering the desert to get to this land that God has told them for generations is going to be theirs, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that is amazing and incredible, and that's where they need to be. And I, I really think their journey through the desert and, and all of this really parallels our life with Jesus. God has taken them out of slavery in Egypt. Well, guess what? Jesus has taken us out of slavery to our sin. He's taken, out of our, taken us out of our Egypts, out of our slavery, out of our captivity to set us free, to give us a new start, a new beginning, just like Israel, out of slavery and into a new life, a new beginning. Well, that's what Jesus does for us. He takes us out of our sin, out of our captivity, out of our slavery, and he leads us. And sometimes we hit these desert times, these wandering times. But what is Jesus leading us towards? Is a promised land. And most of the time we're going to read that, we're going to think of the promised land as heaven. Can we just for a moment today not think about the promised land as heaven and eternity, but rather in terms of what we can experience here on earth? What would the promised land symbolize? What does it embody when we think about the promised land? What are some characteristics that come to mind when we think of the promised land? God is leading the Israelites into the promised land, right? He's not leading them into heaven. He's leading them into a land of all these things. And what are those things? It's fruitful. That's a characteristic of the promised land. Jesus is leading us into a season of fruitfulness. If you feel in a desert right now, it's just it, it, it is important to remember and know Jesus wants to lead us into a time of fruitfulness. God is leading the Israelites into a land that is fruitful, literally, like literally fruitful. Because they, if you picked up on it, you picture these two guys carrying these poles, right? And what's there is this giant cluster of grapes, like. Imagine the size of those grapes, right? Like these giant clusters of fruit and they are carrying these things with two dudes on a pole having to carry these clusters and they show these things to Moses. This is a fruitful land, healthy, growing, vibrant, much more than the desert that they're in. The promised land is fruitful. Jesus says that he is leading us into fruitfulness, that you can judge a tree by its fruit, that we are to be people who are fruitful. If we remain in him, we're to be fruitful, that we are to be people who produce what kind of fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. The love of God, the joy of God, the grace of God, the the, the patience of God, the self-control of God would overflow out of us. Jesus wants to lead us out of our captivity through these desert times and into times where we overflow the characteristics of God. How many of you want that for your life? Right? That's not just heaven. that We can experience that today. That's where Jesus can be leading our lives into a season of fruitfulness. What else does the promised land uh, symbolize or, or be characterized as is a, is a season of faithfulness. When they thought about the promised land, it was a fulfillment of promises. Promised land, right? All of a sudden that light bulb comes on like, for me, 10 years later, after reading that, hearing that phrase for so many years, it was like, oh, that's promised to them, right? This is a fulfillment of God's promises, and when they were to enter that land, it would be a sign of God's faithfulness, that God does what he says, that God has promised this to Abraham generations prior, and all throughout history, and it led them to Moses and the Israelites, and when they were to enter that promised land, it was to be a season of god's faithfulness jesus is leading us into seasons where we can look at his word and say that's true i've lived that i've seen that i've experienced that the things that god says are true god does what he says that jesus leads us into a time of faithful faithfulness and lastly when we think about the promised land it is about the fellowship with god That when they were in the promised land, it was to be this season, this time where they were close with God. They were united with God. That God wasn't just distant. It was like he led us to this place. He's been faithful. Look at how fruitful this is. But God is with us. Jesus is leading us in seasons. and, And right now you might feel like you're in a desert season. But remember that he is leading us into a time where you feel close with God. Where you open the scriptures and it just comes to life where you worship and it doesn't feel like you're praying to the wall. You're you're singing to God. You're praying and conversing with God that you are close with him. See, that's the promised land and what it epitomizes for us. And and that's what Jesus is leading us to. That's what Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb were saying, let's go, right? How many of you would sign up for that? A, A season of life where it is fruitful and faithful and fellowship. Sign me up. I don't think there's anyone in the room that says, nah, I'm good. I like the desert. Give me the dry wasteland of life. He's leading them into this promised land, and really the, what you see here is this idea, this word that comes up a lot in the Old Testament is shalom. It's wholeness, completeness. The being in the promised land is this idea of, of being completed, that those voids are filled. Jesus is leading us into the same thing, to experience wholeness in him. But am I truly willing to follow him? Am I following him out of faith, not fear? Fear keeps me from moving forward with Jesus. But faith keeps me moving forward. I want to talk about this with, uh, I want to share some pictures. I went on vacation and I wanted to show some pictures. Is that okay? Three of you agree, that's cool. Uh, the rest of you just buckle up. Literally, because I went ziplining uh, when I was in Mexico. April and I buckled up, and we went on this really cool excursion where we got to go zip line. It all makes sense, by the way. I'm not just having family photo time. Uh, but I got to rappel down a waterfall, got to freefall, and, and all of this. Got to go on a, these giant zip lines that are, I don't know, it was in kilometers and meters. It was really long. Uh, I don't know the distance. I didn't have my phone to transact or, or, or do the conversion. But they were really long and really far drops and all of these things. And here's the thing about Sean, if you don't know, I am deathly scared of heights. (laughs) Step stools scare me. Uh, So yeah, you can see my face uh, in some of these pictures. Look at those pictures though. They wouldn't let us take our phones, so we had to pay out the nose to get these photos. So I figured I'd take any chance to show them. Uh, And you're going on these excursions and and, uh, this whole day event. And then you get to this one. You're gonna hang like Spider-Man. And that's literally what they said. You're gonna hang like Spider-Man upside down. And this is where my faith was really trusted or really tested because the whole journey I've been learning to have some fun and not, not get scared. But then when they said, let go, like when I'm upright, I can at least kind of hang on to the ropes and everything. But when you're upside down, he's like, I'm like grip, you can see I am gripping the harness as tight as I can. And he says, Let go, as he's pushing me away. Jerk. He's pushing me away and just says, Let go! No! (laughs) You want to know the word for no in Spanish? It's no. And I'm hanging onto this harness, hanging upside down, and it's about halfway through, and I begin to Elsa this thing, and I let go. Right? I let it go. And I'm just looking, and I just see trees and I'm screaming, (laughs) and then all of a sudden you hit this system that they've employed to just cause you to break, and you swing and do this whole thing, and and I'm shaking and really excited and all of this, and uh, this whole morning and afternoon of excursions and fun, it, it really taught me something. It taught me the difference between fear and faith. Fear would have kept me on the platform. I I told you, I'm I'm scared of heights. I'm more scared of falling, really, is my real fear. Fear would have kept me on the platform. Fear would have got me back on the mule. We got to ride a donkey up. Fear would have put me back on the mule to ride down the hill, hang out in the clubhouse, and have have a beverage, and wait for April to come down. That's what fear would have done. That's what fear was doing for the Israelites. I'll stay on the platform. I'll take the mule down. Let's go back. But I had to learn something. I had to learn faith. And I I, I say faith, but the real word there that maybe helps get us out of our church bubble is trust. I had to trust the harness. I had to trust that these guys knew what they were doing, as silly as they were, and they knew every dad joke in the world while they were doing these things. And the speed in which they would strap you into these things and click you in, and and they say, all right, brother, go. And uh, wait, let's just double check it (laughs) one more time and it would freak me out. But I learned to trust, trust the harness, trust the crew. And we're progressing through these seasons of life, and we want to experience faithfulness. We want to experience fruitfulness. We want to experience fellowship with God. We want our heart to beat with the kind of excitement and and, and passion that I felt on there, hanging. Woo, that was a -a once-in-a-lifetime sort of thing. It can be that way with Jesus. It can be an adventure with Jesus. But am I willing to really trust him? You see, instead of fear, we have to be led by faith. Faith keeps us moving forward. If we look at Caleb and Joshua in this story, what is their response? It is one of faith. In verses 7 through 9, amidst all the fearful talk, look at Joshua and Caleb's response. They say this, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Faith keeps them moving forward. Caleb and Joshua are the only scouts that actually get to inherit the land. The other ten miss out a whole generation of israelites misses out but faith keeps caleb and joshua moving forward there's a lot of unanswered questions notice in his response he doesn't give them a blueprint well this is what we're going to do next and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that right faith doesn't always come with a blueprint or a recipe for success but what it does do is it gives them the confidence to take steps big steps small steps bold steps Faith challenges Caleb and Joshua to take a step towards where God is leading them. Faith propels me to take a step with Jesus in the direction towards faithfulness and fruitfulness and fellowship, towards the land that he is leading me to. But those steps are going to be accompanied with unknown and risk and uncertainty and sacrifice. But there's this unshakable trust. When Caleb and Joshua are talking, I don't see somebody that's gripping the harness. I see somebody that's let go and said, I trust it. I trust. Why? What does he say? The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. That's what Caleb and Joshua say. The Lord is with us. Let's not be afraid because the Lord is, when I read that, I see two guys just hanging off their harness like, all right, God, we're all in. We trust you. And they're ziplining into the promised land, hanging in and hanging out there. And I know it seems kind of simplistic and basic to just say, like, trust Jesus with your life, right? Like, that sounds great on a bumper sticker, but that's really hard to live out. Let's think about what that looks like lived out in some of the stuff that we talked about in relationships, family, jobs, hard conversations. Sharing your faith with other people. Think about those fears that we wrestle with, we struggle with. What does it look like to truly trust Jesus in those things, right? To not just give you a cliche answer, but to live that out. What does it look like to truly trust Jesus, to trust the harness, to let go? If I can just share a little bit about the journey Jesus and I have been on this week as I've been thinking about this. And and that fear that I feel at Little League Games is real. I want you to know that. Because uh, I hate being rejected. I don't think anybody likes rejection. I don't think anybody likes being treated differently. I'm getting to know people, laughing, sharing moments, and then it, it's, it's as real as it gets. What do you do for work? I'm a pastor. Oh, what do these people do, right? <laughs> like, that's what it is. And so what does it look like for me to learn how to trust Jesus is learning that my identity is not founded in the acceptance of other people. As much as I tie my identity to being accepted by people, what I'm learning to trust Jesus is to trust that Jesus accepts me and that is enough. The fact that Jesus looks at me and says, Sean, I love you and I accept you. That has to be enough. Is that enough for me? Sometimes no. Sitting on a little sideline? Sometimes no. And so God is like pulling me back and saying, trust me, let go of that fear. Because that fear is never going to get to the point where you're saying, hey, you should come to church. Hey, Jesus has made a difference in my life. Hey, let me share the good stuff about Jesus in my life. I'm never going to get to that point of fruitfulness and faithfulness and fellowship with God in those tough conversations because I'm all wrapped up in, are they going to like me? And so I got to learn to trust that Jesus accepts me and that is enough for Sean. For other things in life, whether it's jobs or relationships or other hard conversations, think about it. We get caught up in all kinds of fears. What if it doesn't go as planned? What if we don't get the result we anticipated? What if we feel like we failed at that? God, you were telling me to do this, this, and this, and then it just didn't go as planned. You ever have that, right? And you're just like, I don't really want that. Trusting in Jesus means I trust that Jesus loves me not for what I do, but for who I am. And so much of my spiritual journey over the years was defined by what I could do for Jesus. But Jesus doesn't love me for what I do. He loves me for who I am. And is that enough? Because if I cling to that, if I hold on to that, if I trust that to be true then I'll be willing to take a a risk. Then I'll be willing to step into the unknown. Then I'll be willing to try something uncertain and not worry about the results because I'm more focused on, you know what, Jesus accepts me, Jesus loves me, And, and, and it's not about what I do for him. So I can let go of that fear. Stop white knuckling. It's trusting him with all of my fears and my insecurities and my doubts, my uncertainties. And it comes to this idea in closing, I don't want to be somebody that misses out on where Jesus is leading me. And I bet if I asked everyone in this room, you would agree. You don't want me to miss out. Oh No, I'm just kidding. You don't want to miss out on where Jesus is leading you. I was just saying if you are still tracking with me. It's warm, you haven't had all your coffee yet. In reality, our fear is going to hinder our progress, our movement. Ultimately, we see that with the Israelites. This older generation missed it. They missed the promised land. Their kids got to go into the promised land, but they missed it because they characterized their time of wandering by a time of trusting more in their fears and trusting more in themselves than trusting in the God that saved them, in the God that was leading them. We see this in Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter nine. At the end of the chapter, three people come up to Jesus. They say, Jesus, we want to follow you. You're doing awesome stuff. We want to go be all in on that. Right? And Jesus hears from them three excuses why they can't start yet. Oh, you want me to do this? Well, hold on, Jesus. I, I, I got priorities. I got to, Oh, I'm a little too busy. Oh, I've got some things. That, oh, that's a big risk. I don't know if I could do that. Three guys. Boom, boom, boom. All three of them have excuses why not to say yes to Jesus. See, I think the reality is, is we are like the Israelites. We are like these people that come before Jesus and say, I want to do that. But we allow fear and excuses and reasons not to to stop us from where Jesus is leading us into a season of fruitfulness, faithfulness, and fellowship. And I want to put my faith in him, my trust in him, in the big steps, the small steps, and ultimately in my bold steps. I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for our church, that we trust more in Jesus than we trust in anything else together and let's go where jesus is leading us because we are ordinary people following an extraordinary god together let's pray if you'd like more information regarding hub city church find us at the thanks for listening